Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the coaches panel. I hope you're well, and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Talking today about one of the GWS Giants co-captains. No, not Josh Kelly yet. Stephen Canelio is who we're talking about today. And it's been a little while since we've had this man on the podcast. In fact, I think it might have been when the last time we were talking about a GWS Giants player in Tom Green, fellow co-founder of the Coaches Panel. Rids is back. Hello, buddy. How are you? Hey, mate. How you going? Mate, it's been like 20 episodes since we've had you. You're, you're certainly not the GWS expert, although you certainly lived close to them uh, once upon a time in your life. But we'll get to the data and the trends and the numbers for Cogs in a minute. But he's one of the most interesting players to have a pretty good fantasy conversation about this preseason, isn't he? Well, it's it actually goes a little bit further than that. It doesn't matter what happens with Cogs. The thing is, he's going to be relevant Correct. whether he flies, whether he sucks, whether whatever happens, he is going to be relevant. And what a great guy to come back and talk about. Yeah, he certainly is. That's for sure, mate. 29 years of age is Cogs. Holds that forward status mid-forward again for us into 2023. There were some concerns that maybe the late-run heavy CBA turn might have really impacted that, but good news is the overall season data held that for us. Some really big scores for us last year across all of the formats meant that we got some absolute bangers from him last year. A top score last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team of 130 was an absolute nice piece of work uh, against the North Melbourne Football Club. It was also his top score in Supercoach with a 174. That's at least a little bit closer in that format of his career high score. But the 130 is nothing compared to what he's done in Dream Team and Fantasy. He's a part of the 200 club in Supercoach. It was against North Melbourne back in uh, Gold Coast, rather, should I say, not North Melbourne, in 2019. While he just fell short of that in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a 192. A nice seasonal average overall of 98.4 in Dream Team and Fantasy means he's priced just over 870000 in AFL Fantasy and just a touch under nine hundred k, 893100 in Real Dream Team. While for Supercoach, a seasonal average of 101.3 means he's going to set you back just over $550,000. And for 10 years, Rids, we've been talking about Stephen Cornelio here at the Coaches Panel. We haven't been around that long. But it feels like every single year he's found a way to be relevant, either as a cash cow, either as a premium, as a guy coming back off injury with some value, and now this year holding some value due to a little bit of role volatility. Cogs just finds a way to be relevant because he is actually a phenomenal footballer when we get to see him at full flight. So really, what we should be doing as fantasy coaches is sending a card, Christmas card, next this year to Leon Cameron. Yes. Because the reality is, like, without Leon Cameron being so crazy, um, playing, you know, Canelio up forward, doing this, doing that, chopping and changing, we're going to have a discount, discounted um, Canelio 
with a forward eligibility. Now, if he was mid-only, I don't think he would actually make this list. So, And certainly not this high if he did, yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, wowee, you know. And some of those scores last year when, um, what's his face? Um, McVeigh. McVeigh, that's the guy I couldn't remember, um, came into charge but, and gave him that inside mid-role that we sort of always knew was his best position. Like, I mean, they were outstanding. And and if you didn't jump on him at that point in time, you really got hurt, like, you know? We talked so, about it the other day with me, Monk, on the podcast. We talked about players that have the capacity to take a season away from you. When Cornelio's in the midfield and forward eligible, if you're against him, you are fighting an uphill battle. Well, I, could, I think we could say that about all of the three big guys, you know, in the forward lines, you yeah, know, Dunkley, Taranto and Canilio. But, I mean, the thing that interests me is this could go either way, it in could. my opinion. Like, I'm looking at it as an outsider. So, and we only spoke about it, you know, maybe it was 20 episodes ago, but Tom Green looks the natural midfield linchpin that you build a midfield around. So I think he becomes that guy. Now, Cornelio, Kelly, so on and so forth, they've all got different strings to their bow. Um, now, whether that's right or wrong, GWS believe, you know, in the past, that's what they've had. Mm. So they get played out of position often. I mean, even Whitfield to a point, you know, has been played out of position. I want... The most intriguing thing to me about Cornelio is... What is that makeup, you know, of the GWS midfield? And we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Like, I can only see four four guys as the mainstays in the midfield, mm-hmm. and Canelio's obviously one of those guys. And we mentioned um, back at those, we were thinking Canelio, we're thinking Green, we're thinking Kelly, um, Kelly and we're thinking someone like a Callan Ward. Sure. Now, I don't think the change of coach does anything but actually gives us a little bit more confidence around that being solidified because I don't think Kingsley's going to come in and go, you know what, I don't know if these guys are midfielders. I'm not. I think he's going to go, I'm going to play players in their best position um, and then find out, you know, on the list, you know, that Deadwood later down the track, um, especially when the season's so young, mm. like, you know, they're still like. I mean, you think about it. Everyone's top at the moment equal top. <laughs> like until they play a game of football, that's you know. Yeah. So I mean, the GWS, like every other club, is going to be very buoyant about their ambitions because it is still only pre-season. Well, and the upside so, of the Giants team, like you look at the elites that they do have in their side. They've got a lot of incredible players, although they had a poor season. Whitfield's an elite outside user. Sam Taylor's one of, if not the best, tall defender in the game. Toby Green's an elite medium-sized forward. And then those names that you mentioned there through the midfield, Green, Kelly, Cornelio, on paper, that that's as good a top six as what anybody else has in the competition. Yeah, but if you go the next step, okay, Proust, when Proust yeah. is up and running, dominant he says dominant ruck as there is going around, okay? If you go have a look at Isaac Cumming, like, I mean, Beautiful he looks rebound. a player across halfback. He does. They've got some real quality, you know, they're not that bad, 
no. on paper. Like, I know that they've lost Hopper and Taranto, and obviously that's going to play a part as well of in course. why Canilio is going to play more midfield than not. But, like, I mean, they, they're they going okay. Like, their list building isn't shaping that bad. Um, I know that they've gone, like, to crazy lengths and spent a lot of salary, but, I mean, I think there's an argument to be had about four of those GWS guys and whether they're relevant or not. But until we see it in real life, and this is why we were just chatting about this just earlier, mate. Yeah. Like, if you know those days when the JLT had multiple rounds? Yeah, it was like two or three weeks of practice yeah, matches. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This would have been the perfect scenario oh, for us with GWS. Like we would actually sit there and go, okay, so that's what they've um, gone in experimenting, giving kids runs. Okay, so that's where they're settling on here. And then obviously the last game they always go in as if it's a full dress rehearsal. Yeah, we're going to be a little bit number wiser, I feel, after that JLT game oh, from the Giants. Um, and we're going to have to go a little bit of gut feel. So no matter how you feel with it, though. This is why I love this series, mate. Yeah. It's all about a discussion, yeah? So 100%. let's discuss it. Like, Canilio, I don't care if who Joe blogs out in the road thinks he's going to be 100% CBA, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. I don't really care. But the fact is, no matter if you start him or if you don't start him, yeah. he has that ability to burn you no matter what. We saw that last year in the splits, didn't we? In the nine games he played under Leon Cameron, average of 88.2 in Supercoach and 84 in Dream Team and Fantasy, two tons across the formats and, and just 23% centre bounces. Whereas under McVeigh moves in in these 12 games, Goes at an average of 111 in Supercoach and 109 in AFL Dream Team and Fantasy. Scores nine tons across the formats. Uh, only has one Supercoach score under 80. Nothing under 80 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. And hits 67% of centre bounces. So you see, even in this one season, under two different coaching regimes and emphasis, that's the point that Rids you're so beautifully making is... If you're all bullish on Canelio, you see this 110 average and the price point of 100 going, give me some value at the top end, please. Or equally, you can see and go, oh, if they do run a, a little bit broader midfield, which could happen under Kingsley, um, if they do run a game style that's not as conducive to fantasy, which we have seen previous assistant coaches coming out of the Richmond system, if he does do that, we might not see him offer greater return and even regress on what he's priced at for us. And this is where he's so beautifully relevant because each variable is arguably equally likely. And I think, sorry about the noise in the background. That's I've fine. got a four-year-old daddy daycare at the moment. You're doing all right. But I think it, the important thing is the centre bounce percentage. That's it. Okay? I think, forget everything else. We're only going to get one real indication on the GL, JLT, what that looks like. And we're going to have to back our gut feel on it. 100%. Now, there's every chance Kingsley will go and give a couple of kids a go because he, he knows what Camilio can do in the midline. We, we all know. But have a look at those numbers for a little bit, what you just read out. Under McVeigh, he went sub-80 for the real dream team and AFL Fantasy. Zero out Not of once. nine games. His lowest score under McVeigh was an 80. And he only had three scores that weren't a ton. 
in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Now, at his price point across those two formats by themselves, but if we have a look at Supercoach as well, it was only one. (laughs) And it was a 71 in the final game of the year. Correct. Yeah. So you're not going to get him any cheaper than what he's going to be starting. No. Like his starting price, okay, if he's playing at 60-plus percent CBAs. Mm. And, I mean, I think we're all pretty confident that's where he's going to land. But, again, you won't know until you absolutely got that data in front of you and games in front of you. Um, but the thing is, he's going to take your season away and you're never going to get him cheaper. No, that's right. You're paying now for the 105-110 that he could deliver. Yeah. So, I mean, now becomes that cautious, annoying little factor that we all have to go through when we're deciding off, um, going through the players in pre-season, working out whether they're a starting squad or whether they're an upgrade. So, if Stephen Canilio, okay, and I'm going to throw it out there as simple as I possibly can. If you're having that dilemma right now, that discussion, that battle with yourself, think of it like this. It doesn't matter what the outcome is, but think of it like this. Stephen Canilio is not going to get any cheaper if he does have over 60% of CBAs in price tag. But on the flip side, you may not be able to get to him in an upgrade if he does have over 60%. But under 60%, and we're talk- we were talking crazy low numbers, okay, under oh, um, what's his face? Yeah, oh, under 25% on. under Cameron. Yeah. 25%? That's ridiculous. For a guy like, of his ability, it is. So even at that point, he wasn't like he wasn't absolutely terrible. He's Mid to high 80s averaging, across the formats. Yeah, he's averaging close enough to 85, 90, you know. But even then, if you have a look at the games reference points, Rodeo, there's still only three and four games across the formats that were sub-80s. Yeah. He was still smart enough with only 23% of the CBAs to actually still go a decent floor. Well, look so, at round three against Gold Coast. 32 possessions, three marks, five tackles, three behinds. 13% CBAs, and he delivers a 149 in Supercoach and a 114 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. So he also really... has another ton in round seven against the Crows where he has 3% CBAs and still hits a ton. So he's still got it in his wheelhouse. Yeah, so it's like yeah, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, it's it's all going right. to be coming down on the... Um, like how GWS start the season as a team, mm. if they're in form, if they're going to win a few games. Now, from memory, and you might have those um, the draw in front of you, they've mm. got a reasonably decent draw, do they not? Yeah, the so they start uh, off against Port Adelaide. So using 2022 data, we know that the game does evolve and change every year, and it's certainly under a different coach. Port Adelaide generally had a more high-possession football game, and so it denied opposition teams the ball. But after Port Adelaide, here's what it does for them. West Coast, Carlton, Essendon, Hawthorne, Brisbane is the first six weeks. So when I'm looking at that draw, I think they're all winnable games. And I don't know, do you feel that? Absolutely. Well, Port Adelaide, pound for pound, their midfield should be equal, if not marginally better, certainly against West Coast. Carlton, it so much depends on that midfield mix around Walsh. Essendon has arguably more question marks around what they're doing. Hawthorne, they should absolutely pillar to post them. Um, and then Brisbane, 
again, they've in the midfield unit with a fit and healthy Bruce and a if it's a tight midfield unit of Green, Kelly, Canelio, and then some flavorings of Ash, Ward, Perryman, it's as still as good as any other midfield in the league, I believe. Yeah, I think their top echelon is definitely. Um, so, like, at the end of the day, though, I myself have come to the conclusion I'm going to start him and yeah. just not muck around because I don't think the risk factor is going to happen. But again, this all comes down to the relevancy, yeah? I don't know if there's a more relevant player in the whole foot comp <laughs> this year than Steve Canilio. It's an interesting one, yeah. Like, he can just... Anything could happen with him. Um, we're going to take um, Kingsley on um, trust yes. a little bit because we just haven't seen him before. He might be as loopy as Leon Cameron, you know? Every chance. Well, well I mean, at the end of the day, we're just going to have to look at it. So... And everyone's got to make their own decision. Like, I mean, I've seen a lot of teams going forward heavy. And, yep. I mean, the thing with that is, like, with the positions being gained through the season, like, it's going to make it a little bit difficult if you go too heavy. Yes. So, like, you're going to have to have some sort of flexibility. But those, like, you've got the three big guys, Dunkley, yep. Taranto, and Caniglio. Sorry, with the G pronunciation. Double G. Every time. Um, and then you've got the Roses, the Butters. Butters. You've just got a list of them. They just don't stop. A lot. But if you're going to back anyone, I reckon Camilio's the guy that you back. But, I mean, who knows how that call makes, you know? It's an so, interesting I mean, everyone. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's got to decide, are you going to go mid-heavy? Are you going to go, you know, thin in the backs? Are you going to go forward-heavy? What rucks are there to pick from? Like, I mean, who knows where that ends up? Because, like, we've already seen them fall out of trees. Yeah, well, that's exactly yeah. right. The, the structure will inform a lot of what we do, and part of that's based on value. Part of that's also based on the cows that, that we have available to us. I, I look at Cogs in a couple of lights. One, I think most people would believe that Josh Dunkley will be the number one forward in most people's eyes within the community. He already is based on averages and points from last year. If he picks up any more uh, midfield time at Brisbane, which is certainly the popular narrative in the community at this stage, many have Dunkley at number one. But who could compete with that spot at number one of the current known forwards? Cornelio could. He's one of the few guys that doesn't just have runs of weeks and months of 110 plus but he's had seasons touching right on the edge of that so cogs is one of the few guys that if you believe dunkley is clear and supreme forward cogs is one of the few guys that could be able to get to him 35 percent of dream team coaches as of uh today that you're listening to this 35 percent of dream team coaches 34 percent of afl fantasy and 21 percent of super coach owners believe a pretty similar narrative that Cogs, if he's not number one, he's going to be right at the top of the tree. But I also see the other point that Rids has raised, which is, man, we do have so many great top-end premiums. And there is an element of unknown heading into this season around GWS, not just the midfield mix, but the midfield game style and what the Giants are trying to do. And so because we do have some good other top-end premiums and we do have an element of unknown, coaches can see that and go, I'm banking on what I know. And so I'm going to choose to go some more variables. If it means I pay up a little bit extra for him, 
So be it. And, and back to that point we've made a few times throughout this episode. That's what makes talking about COG so good because you can look at the data, you can look at the narrative, you can look at the variables and equally viable, you can look to the decision of start and upgrade and feel valid in how you got there. But is there a world, okay, and this is where I'm going to lean to a little bit, is there a world that teams just can't trade into it? Yeah. If it gets like, that big, it's going to be too hard to, yes. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult because, like, at the moment, people are already a bit concerned about that, you know, bottom rookie depth um, that's coming through that's actually looking likely to make decent money. Mm. Like, but, I mean, at the end of the day, though, you've got to work out. Like, we're talking about, you know, there's possibly, and I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I reckon there's at least three forwards that could go anywhere, you know, push into 120 across the format. With some like, luck, absolutely, depending on the format you play, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, these guys are going to take your season away if um, if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, and, but on the flip side, if you start too many of them, they're likely to take your season away the yeah, other way if they don't get those plum rolls, yeah? Yeah. But, but at least we've, um, like, say, we've got question marks over all three to a point. Yeah. But with Cogs, at least he didn't change clubs. The other two guys changed clubs. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, so people might be sitting there and they might be using, um, I would like to call it fake gold like info, yeah, um, because the the reality of the situation is, yeah, whilst they've moved clubs, Dunkley and everyone else, they all three have had a change of coach. So Correct. isn't the same logic of should be applied to all three? And there are question marks. If you're going to apply it to one, why aren't you applying it to the other three too? Yeah, I think it's to a... all three. So, anyways, uh, that's just my my two cents no i i think it's a beautiful piece of logic as we turn to wrap up this episode and look at him at drafting i i am fascinated to see as i wrote this article i I tossed and turned on cogs uh do i want him do i not who do i fade in to my top forward premiums if it's him who is it not if if i don't have him how the heck do i get him um it's fascinating and i'm very interested to watch this gws side in preseason and listen clearly to what is the narrative coming out of adam kingsley let's talk about draft and where he goes rids uh, there's a very popular narrative which again i don't think is necessarily wrong but that is josh dunkley is the first forward off the board and in some people's eyes he's the clear number one forward on draft day um some will have cogs ranked number two right behind him Others will fade him a little bit and maybe have him at three, four, and five. Either way, he's an F1 and one of the first handful of forwards off the board on draft day. So my question to you is, where does he go and does it change depending on the scoring format you're playing? So I actually think the three big forwards this year should almost be your first three picked in a draft. Wow. Only because they could actually be the the number one average in player, let alone forward, in the whole comp. Mm. So if you're getting an M1 that you can play as your F1... That's a huge win. That's a massive win all day, is it not? Yeah. Now, and if you're using the logic, and this is where I'm saying, like, it seems like popular opinion is Dunkley's uh, First number overall. one. Sure. Okay. Which is great. 
But if whatever logic you're using with that, I think has to be applied to Cogs and Taranto. Like, but I mean, obviously, Supercoach is a little bit different because Dunkley's just a Supercoach B. Yeah, sure. But the other two across like AF and um, DT, I, that scoring format, all three have the same logic, I, I think. Def- definitely agree with that. I, I can see coaches very comfortably taking him at points in, in the first round. Again, so much of your drafting is variable on how many coaches you have, how many spots you have on field. Those are some of the big knowns and unknowns in everything. But I can see people happily taking him in the first round because they want that big forward because the premiums do slide away. I can also see coaches getting him on the turn in the second. And I some, can't see that. Well, oh, there's no way, yeah. Oh, it just depends how much people... If they're playing with captains on, if they like the Steels, the McCrays, the Mills, the, I'm not I'm not saying what's right or wrong, Rids. Well, I'm just saying MJ, now. Let's it can think happen. through this, though. Okay? Yes, please. And I agree. I know what you're saying. Thank you. Like, but the fact is, I think you're kidding yourself if you think he's going to slide into the second round. It'll um, be very early second at best. Every single player, midfielder this year seems to have question marks, yeah? Like, yes. And you you think about the guys that could potentially, you know, be the guys, you know, still, question marks. Like, he's coming off a season that's, you know, neither here or there. He's got a new coach who's totally different. If you have a look at, um, even go a step further, like someone like Took always looks a beast in pre-season. So yeah. I think you just take that with a grain of salt. McRae, how many mouths are there to feed in that Bulldogs team? Like, I just think, like, the one thing in life that you can actually bank on is Cogs as your number one forward with 23% of CBAs. 23, I'm saying, can average you mid-80s. Yeah, correct. And still have 100 potential on any given day. Yep. But any more than that, you're looking, you know, the sky's the limit for his average. So that's where I'm playing at with the drafts. I just think if you're going to plan to have cogs, you want to have one of the first six to ten picks in that draft, and you might be able to see if he slides through to you. But if you're thinking second um, round, you're kidding yourself. Well, the only way I think you get him in the second round with, with confidence is if you're on the turn and you're going, I know I'm going to get him here. Um, you're at pick 10, you go pick 10 and 11 and you can get him on the return. Um, I, I agree. I think if he's not gone in the first 15 selections of a draft, let alone in the conversation of the top 10, just because of how narrow the forward premiums are and how big his upside could be, not just as a forward, but in conversation of what it means across the board. Whew. He's going to be a real interesting one to look at. Hey, Rids, mate, you I reckon you've moved a p- couple of people's opinions, probably both ways, to be honest, uh, on Cornelio today. So thank you for your fine work. Well, I've been fighting it all year, all pre-season myself. Like, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. <laughs> 
you know, best of luck, people. Yep. No, it's going to be a fascinating conversation of what people do with him in 2023. If you want to go and read the article, look at some of those stats and splits and everything else you want to do on COGS. It's online for you now at coachespanel.tv. It's got also all the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant. If you're loving these podcasts, leave a nice five-star rating and review. And our Patreons, they're people that love the Coaches Panel, love the content, and are financial supporters of the Coaches Panel. We, uh, just for a couple of bucks a month, it helps us do what we do, putting out content every single day of the preseason podcasts and articles. And just for doing it, we'll also kick you some hidden group access and some extra articles and and content as well. Yep, we just don't stop for our Patreons, my friends, that is for sure. All right, we're hitting deep into the 50 most relevant tomorrow. Number 17. He's probably the most talked about player this preseason, without doubt. The moment this player moved clubs, everybody that I know locked him into their side. And understandably so. The guy is a fantasy jet. But is there enough holes that maybe it might not work out for you? Or for those that are choosing to go against this proven fantasy performer, are you just asking for your 2023 season to be a write-off from the beginning? Who's this big-name fantasy player we're talking about? I'll tell you tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.